Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Conway Catholic Podcast, a podcast where people get together and talk about random things ranging from life in college to our nerdy interest to the Catholic Church and everything in between. Tangents, ahoy. So I am Casey Miller. I am your campus minister and your host. And I am so excited for this week's podcast. Our guest is one of my favorite people. And rather than me trying to bumble through an intro and ultimately forget some cool thing they did, I will let them introduce themselves. Uh, Hello, my name is Bob Kilpatrick. I am a senior here at UCA. Um, uh, My major is graphic design. I've been involved with CCM here for this is my third full year working with it. I kind of floated around a little bit my freshman year, but um, I'm my biggest contribution to the ministry, I suppose, is uh, Alpha Omega because I I do play music for um, that ministry every Wednesday, and um, that's been a big part of my of my college life here. And so my name is Bob, and I'm a student here <laughs> telling my story on this this interesting new podcast that Casey has decided to throw together. So um, hello, everyone. Yeah, and thrown together is very much the operative word. <laughs> um, so, like, what made you um, respond to being on the podcast when I asked you? Um, podcasts are interesting to me. I don't listen to them very much, um, because there's just so much to get into in the podcast world. There are too many podcasts out there. I figure about, let's do it. Let's add another one. Um, it's always interesting to see podcasts, um, and their contribution to a conversation in a new way. Um, I think that there is value in being able to be able to sit down in any location that you want and just have a conversation and record conversations. Cause I think conversations can be some of the most, um, most important ways to get to know people and discuss points of view and kind of get to walk in other people's shoes a little bit. And so being able to do that on a more public level is interesting to me. Now we'll see if I'll be able to talk with enough agency to like actually be able to um, have an interesting conversation. <laughs> but um, yes, I think that that's why a podcast sounded interesting to me. Also, Casey just needed people. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely always like a double-edged sword when I ask people to like help with stuff. Is like, are you doing it because I asked you or because you're actually interested? Which sometimes is fine just to, you know, be a helping hand. But um, I thought this would be really interesting um, because a lot of times people just kind of drop by my office and we talk about the the most random things. And I think a lot of people don't get to see that part of kind of campus ministry of like the complete off the wall conversations. Um, And then on top of that, with um, being more physically distant, so the drop the drop buys have been less and less and um, kind of with the state of kind of culture right now of like being very black or white and polarizing. Um, I think one of the best ways of, of overcoming that is 
knowing people's story and knowing people and, and seeing that there is so much complexity and depth to anything that you label yourself. So um, being Catholic is more than one thing. Being a college student is more than one thing. Um, And we don't always get to see that. And so that was kind of my intention behind kind of this whole podcast thing. Um, Plus, I'm super nerdy and it lets me play with a bunch of tech stuff. So kind of with that in mind, you know, maybe share a little bit of your story about, um, you know, not necessarily your whole life story, but just kind of how you've you've come into kind of your faith as an adult, you know, in in college life. Well, I'll tell you, I was born in a dirty barn <laughs> and it was a stormy night and a hurricane. <laughs> and um, the sheep were bleeding and the the cows were mooing and the the pigs were oinking and the dogs were barking and um Lightning struck. Ground shook. (laughs) It was truly terrifying. And then I came into the world and I went to UCA. (laughs) Um, That was just total nonsense. But, um, oh, college um, and how it has informed my faith life. That's a very interesting story. thing to think about. Um, I don't think a lot of people do think about how much they change in college until like they're outside of college Mm -hmm. for a little while. But, um, I think it, if you take advantage of it, college can be like such a time for growth and experimentation with lots of different ways of, um, different viewpoints and different sides of stories and gray areas and, all that kinds of stuff. It seems like everything that's thrown at you is intentionally trying to get you to critically think um, Mm -hmm. so that when you finally decide where it is that you're going off into the world or don't decide because, you know, I mean, it takes longer than just college for, for a good amount of people. And I'm sure it will for me too. But um, I think college is an interesting time to be able to explore things, especially when it comes to a faith life. Um, I would say most people come into college without wanting to care about that kind of stuff too much. Um, at least in my experience with, um, with college students in general, um, and myself, uh, I was super involved with youth ministry in the, like both at the parish level and diocesan level in high school. Um, I served on the, um, youth advisory council for the diocese and like the small, more, um, Paris level council thing for our CYM. And, um, so I had a lot of Catholicism <laughs> in my, in my early stages of adult life. Cause I would, I would call, um, high school is them trying to start telling you that you're an adult and have to figure out your life, even though none of us are adults until way after college. Um, (laughs) I, I'm still not even close to being there, but, uh, so yeah, I did a whole lot of things with the church growing up and my faith was in a semi decent place for what you can expect out of a high school student. I don't, I don't know. Uh, we all, we all, there's so much change in growing up and 
hormones and all that crazy stuff that happens during those times where like your identity seems to change every five minutes and Mm -hmm. it's just and that continues on into college as well but I had just you know between bad relationship choices and things like that which is a whole bunch of silliness to me now but back then it meant a lot more than it does to me now because it is high school and everything matters 10 times as much as it does to you when you're at that age because you don't have as much perspective and so my faith life got I mean shaken up towards the end of my senior year and I got a little apathetic towards it and probably a little bit burnt out too um because just the way that I am I um I feel naturally called to like a lot of leadership roles within these kinds of organizations, um, like youth groups. And I mean, even here at CCM, I ended up in a leadership role, um, even if it's in a small way through um, playing music. And so I would say that I got burnt out a little bit um, because one of my biggest struggles with ministry in general um, in my experience has been to... um, to not feel ministered to as much as I was ministering to others. And um, I mean, it's something that we talk about a lot in AO that like you can't pour yourself out if you're not filling up your cup as well. And I think that that started happening to me really early in high school. Um, And I'm not blaming that on anybody in particular or anything like that. And I think a lot of it was like, I didn't necessarily take as much agency with my faith as I could have to um, do the self-work to fill my cup. But um, there wasn't, I just always felt like I was the one having to help other people and I wasn't getting as much out of things as well. And that wasn't just in my faith life. It was other things too. Like, um, like I was in Boy Scouts forever. Um, and from like the time I was like 11, I was like, cause I was in a really small troop and uh, there was not that many people. And I ended up being like the oldest person in the troop at like 11. And so like I was thrust into all the leadership roles in that troop. And like, as new kids started coming in and we started building the troop back up, um, I was the one that was kind of like the youth leader in charge of everything. And then like slowly, but surely I got so tired of boy Scouts in general that like, I just wasn't getting anything out of it because I was helping all of the younger kids in the same way that in ministry, I kind of, uh, felt like I was helping other people, not as much as I was helping myself. And so that was kind of a big frustration of mine going into college, like that perspective I had about my, um, my life as a, um, leader that kept getting chosen for things. And so that was one of my biggest drawbacks from doing anything in CCM is because I was like kind of afraid of that happening more and again. And, uh, and plus a whole bunch of other stuff. I was making dumb college kid mistakes, you know, those freedom mistakes that you get when you leave your parents' house and things like that. You know, everybody does it. Well, not everybody. I wouldn't say everybody. Everybody does it to a certain degree. Um, it's it may not, be different ways, but everyone has to kind of rebel a little bit. Right. Like not everybody goes and like drinks and smokes and parties and everything. But like people always have to do something to like exercise their independence for oh, the absolutely. first time. 
like whatever that may be. And sometimes it's not really that big of a deal. And it's just like, haha, I live alone, mm-hmm. whatever. And I'm going to stay up till midnight on a school night. Right. Which is <laughs> never a good idea. And I don't, I don't, um, I mean, we all do it regularly, but um, if you can avoid it, then yeah, <laughs> then don't do it. But yeah, we all kind of rebel and stretch our own decision making a little bit in college. Right. And, you know, you always get that like and culture tells you that it's OK because you're young and you're allowed to be stupid. And then like your brain, your brain is like, yeah, that's right. I'm young and I'm stupid and I'm allowed to do whatever I want because I'm young and stupid and I get my life together later. And then you get to like sophomore or junior year of college and you're like, oh, in a year and a half or a year, less than a year now, you have to grow up and get a job and like start living your life. And so that's a really terrifying reality. But um, <laughs> not to be a Debbie Downer. <laughs> right. So, um, no, and there's a lot of wonderful things that come with that, too. So, like, if you're not careful, of course, you can you can let yourself get overcome with that kind of stuff really quick. Mm-hmm. But I mean, God interjected in my life before I got there in the way that I, I am sure that he um, at least attempts to interject in people's lives, mm-hmm. everybody's lives that are going down the wrong path. Now, of course, we have to make the choice to um, to listen or to ignore. Um, and granted, I was getting these signs for a long time. I mean, God never leaves you. Um, and you can you can choose to continue ignoring or stop ignoring whenever you want to. Um and that's the thing about like your free will and your and your ability to choose that God gives us is that we like we have the responsibility and also the privilege of getting to choose where our life is, even if that means excluding God from it, which I mean, I would I, I think that we can all safely say that we we exclude God in a lot of our decisions and um, just due to our our nature and our just imperfectness that's a word right yeah, yes totally. that's, a, that's a word sometimes i get flipped tripped up on the 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 throw a ness on the end of the word thing <laughs> like imperfectness it doesn't really roll off the tongue but i guess it works because english english can be whatever you want it to be english's rules are made to be broken <laughs> that's why nobody likes learning this language exactly <laughs> <laughs> but um what was i saying I was saying something. Decision making growing up um, and God pulling me out of that kind of road I was going down. And I, I don't want to f- make it out to be like I was like ruining my life or anything. I was just not prioritizing the way that I should. And um, I mean, I got into a couple of situations that weren't smart and could have been a lot worse than they were. But like at the same time, like. I don't want y'all to think that I'm like, I'm just like this was this extreme rebellious. Like I'm not a sob story at all. Like it was not as dramatic as it might be sounding, but there came a time where like I was of course broken from a lot of different things. And like, um, that degree of brokenness was getting bigger and, um, that separation from God was getting bigger. And I got, um, I got to this point that I was really, um, really angry because I did have a, even if it was a kind of shallow relationship with God in high school, um, I did have a relationship with God and, um, my decisions that led to me to separate from that, that relationship, um, I kind of blamed 
the results of that, the consequences of that on God, you know? Um, so like when you break off your relationship with God, it's very like, even if it's not like an intentional decision at the time, like, um, like I am leaving the church or whatever. Like I was, I wasn't doing that. Of course, I still believed. I just wasn't prioritizing. And so, the more you distance yourself, the more God lets you have your space, mm-hmm. and um, doesn't um, engage in the ways that He does with you when you are in a more active relationship with Him. And so, the signs from Him get harder to recognize because you're not looking for them. And so unless he really prods you like he does sometimes and reaches out in a way that he didn't, I'll talk about that in a second, um, then it can be really hard to discern like what he's talking to you or what he's saying to you. Because it does have to be an active choice to listen to God. And that's like the hardest part. Like everybody I talk to and everybody I hear talk about praying uh, and prayer is listening is the hard part about mm-hmm. prayer. I mean, we can all we can all talk God's ear off and be like chatterboxes at them all we want but and we all have lots of opinions and we like to get them out um especially in prayer so um now i wasn't necessarily praying that much during this period of time but i was um i was still angry at god that i wasn't getting anything from him when i was Mm -hmm. um and I think that my expectations were, I mean, it were very like, um, I would say standard expectation that a lot of people that are still pretty shallow in their faith expect like this really experiential relationship with God, like all the time. And that's just not how he operates. Mm-hmm. If he's, if he's not, he's not going to shout at you from a mountaintop or like, even like, it might not even be a whisper. Like sometimes, sometimes it's silence and that silence can be convicting in and mm-hmm. of itself. Um, and to me, that's at that point in my life, that silence was really just ticking me off, making me angry, um, and getting under my skin and kind of pushing me further in the wrong direction. Not that God was pushing me further into the wrong direction, but I was allowing it to push myself further in the wrong direction. Cause like, of course, all of this is my fault. Like as a human that makes mistakes, like I'm not blaming God for any of these decisions that I made, but, um, but it was, um, it was a time of like anger for me. And so, um, the timing of all this was really interesting looking back because around that time, Angelina was, um, still doing music and for CCM involved and she had been looking, it was her last year and she was looking to, um, she was looking for a replacement. And of course I was one of the few probably around that played guitar and could sing and do all those things. Cause I had done a little bit of that in high school. Um, and Angelina knew that. And so they were, they were actively trying to recruit me every once in a while to come do that. And of course, with my, my background that I just talked about, like, I was like, no, I'm not going to get dragged into another <laughs> leadership position with the ministry. I'll go to mass sometimes, but like, that's all they're getting from me. I'm mm-hmm. just, a, I want to do what I want and God's not talking to me. So I'm mad at him. And like, I was being a child back then. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, I, I feel like we all have to go through stuff like that to get to where we are. And there was this, uh, eventually God just, I, I went home um, one day and God 
just said, stop. Like he just like everything stopped and he was like, and I just felt a very strong convention, like conviction to, um, to do something I really didn't want to do. And that was text Angelina that I would do music ministry. And so there was a reluctance there, um, a strong reluctance there until there wasn't anymore. And, um, and like those kinds of moments I know are, um, <laughs> are, that's how I know that it was God talking to me. Cause it wasn't something that I wanted to do at all, but it was something that I, um, I felt compelled to do and I knew it was right. I mean, it wasn't like God coming out and saying, you need to do this. And like the, the big booming old Testament voice, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, uh, it was just that strong conviction. And like at the same time, as soon as I, as soon as I texted Angelina and told her that I would, um, agree to meeting with her about talking about doing AO (laughs) because I still wasn't, I still wasn't ready to be like, yes, I will do it. But, um, um, as soon as I sent that text, I kind of just felt that, that peace and that, presence and those all of those things that I hadn't felt in a really long time um because for the first time in like I don't know I wasn't keeping track but for the first time in a long time I had actually responded positively to um God telling me something mm-hmm. and convicting convicting me to do something um and it's kind of one of those like I, I kind of equate that to working out and like, you don't want to do it and you don't want to do it, but after you do it, you always feel like so much better. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so yeah, that was the, the first part of that story, I guess, um, of my adult faith life, I guess. Um, and from there, like I did have to work a lot with, um, Cause like all of the stuff that I had been talking about, it didn't just end magically there. Like, it's not like it was that, like, and he lived happily ever after kind of right. situation. I mean, there's a lot of work that goes in that I'm still doing. I mean, it's not like, I mean, it's hard to rekindle a prayer life out of nothing. Um, right. that I'm still, still working on that, especially when it comes to scripture and, um, like, Int- really intentional prayer like it's something that I really struggle with yeah. like all the time and I think that's that's kind of a I think a misconception a lot of people have is like like once my prayer life gets to where it should be everything will be perfect it was like no homie <laughs> someone a little older let me tell you it's gonna like it's an it's just like any relationship like it's a consistent work and a consistent change because you're always growing and changing. And so this expectation and like this idea of like a perfect prayer life or a perfect, like an end goal, you know, there's, there's not really one. And so I think, um, at least for me, once I realized that, like it kept me from beating myself up for not Mm -hmm. having the prayer life that, I'm supposed to have or that other people have. Could it be better? Yes. Is it horrible? No. It is what it is. And I'm always going to be actively pursuing Jesus and actively pursuing a more connected relationship. Mm -hmm. And I think having that, that like uh, weapon to kind of beat yourself up and kind of 
um, discouragement um, mm-hmm. within yourself. I think once you let that go, it makes it the journey a little easier. It doesn't make it not hard. It just makes it a little easier, I think. Right. And that's one of the many um, self-deprecating weapons that I keep in my arsenal, you know, mm-hmm. just like anybody else. But, um, uh, yeah, it's it's it can be um, really hard when um, you start playing the comparing game um, mm-hmm. with people that you think have great prayer lives. And I think that's a big issue. Like the people that I've talked to more recently about stuff, it's like one of their biggest things is like, you've like a lot of people feel really discouraged when they see people like me that like they see play music on Wednesday and things like that. And they're like, man, that guy's got his prayer life together. He's just like super in tune and everything. It's like, I am just as broken as everybody else. There is nothing special about me as far as like where I am with my relationship Mm -hmm. with God. And, um, and I think that most people that are in leadership positions in CCM would say the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've talked to most of them about like through various things, but like retreats and stuff, but like none of us have all of our stuff together in the way that you think that everybody has their stuff together. So it's like, um, and I think that there's consolation in that. I mean, like we're all just, um, we're all just Peter, you know, and constantly messing up and constantly being anointed by Jesus to continue and, Mm -hmm. um, to be Christ and to other people, even if we, um, struggle to be Christ to ourselves and see Christ like within ourselves. And, um, because it's a lot easier to see Christ in others than it is to Mm -hmm. see it in ourselves. And it's easier to be Christ to others than it is to see it, to, to see it, in ourselves. And I think that that's, uh, it's a really, um, it can be really, really hard to, when you start comparing yourself to people, I mean, and that goes for like, you start comparing yourself to people in any way, like you're going to find things that are wrong with yourself. It's because we're we're just, as humans, we're just so hard on ourselves about everything. Yeah. And, um, it's so unnecessary, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah. And I think that's the importance of like, why community is so important Mm -hmm. and it's so contrary to our nature when we're struggling with something we tend to like retreat when in all actuality like the community is is the thing that'll help because where i am struggling you may not have a struggle there and where you're struggling i i may be like dude i've been there let me but we're so afraid to like be confident and share those things that we've overcome while also being you know, vulnerable enough with other people. And so, you know, you talked about being up there performing, not performing, leading worship um, and playing music for y'all. Yeah. And feeling (laughs) like having people feel like you have your life together. And it's just one part of your prayer life. You just may be a little further on the journey than others. And you said yes in a way that they, you know, maybe could never say yes, but that doesn't mean that their yes is any less important. Yeah. And I think that like a lot of people get tripped up on the praise and worship thing in particular. And that like everybody, like the people that you see that are really into praise and worship, like a lot of them, like that's one of their primary forms of prayer. Mm -hmm. And there are so many different ways to pray. And that isn't, and praise and worship is not for everybody. Right. And I feel like that that can be a problem, especially with like how big praise and worship has gotten, not just in Catholicism now, but like, um, especially in like, um, 
different churches that people our age go to Mm -hmm. specifically, um, especially living in the area of the country that we do. Like there's so many different like non-denominational churches and things like that, that, um, that I've been to quite a few of them. Um, just because like, I always, I'm never like going to say no to like a praise and worship kind of situation just because there's, there's always, um, God and places like that. But I think that a lot of other, um, a lot of their places and a lot of Catholics too, can put a lot of agency in praise and worship as like this primary prayer form Mm -hmm. that like everybody should know how to do and have. And like, um, and even that you should, everybody should be super charismatic about it and like always be super duper into it. And, you know, it's just like, that's not it for everybody. It's like, um, like praise and worship is not this, this end all be all of prayer at all. And, um, it's a very important to my prayer life and to a lot of people's prayer lives. But if it's not the thing for you, then it shouldn't be, be forced to be the thing for you. Like, right. or, and you shouldn't have to feel bad that like, that's not your, your cup of tea because there's just so many different ways to engage with God. Um, in different ways um, that just because you're not feeling praise and worship or you feel out of place in those situations doesn't mean that there's not something out there for you because there's something out there for everybody and for all different kinds of people. Right. And I think that's why it's so important to like have multiple like prayer styles that are your thing. And I'm doing air quotes, even though no one can see me do air quotes Um, because it's just like, You know, if I was dating somebody, I wouldn't only speak poetry to them. Even though poetry might like be the greatest thing since sliced bread to me and Mm -hmm. they appreciate it. But if I only spoke poetry to them, it would be a very weird and unbalanced relationship. Like, it has to be a balance of different forms of prayer and different forms of connectedness. And the only way you get to that is by actually trying different forms of prayer so and that's not just showing up it's act it's an active like entering in Mm -hmm. and so like if praise and worship isn't your thing that doesn't mean you don't ever go to praise and worship right um because you know Jesus is is a sneaky Jesus. He likes yeah. to like, and that's not what I'm like encouraging people yeah. to like completely stay away from things that make them uncomfortable because like, and vice versa. Right. If praise and worship is like your jam, that doesn't mean that silent adoration isn't something right. to actively try to do. And that's something that I've struggled with. It's like it's really easy to get into those prayer comfort zones. Mm-hmm. Like you're like, this is what I'm good at. I'm really good at. Um, imaginative prayer and praise and worship. <laughs> and that is all I'm ever going to do ever, you know? And like, um, imagine that was an example. I'm not good at imaginative prayer, but, um, uh, I say that cause Casey really loves imaginative prayer. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, so it pushing ourselves out of our comfort zones, especially in a relationship, um, is important as our relationship with God is just essential. Um, and it's something that I fail at like all the time. Um, especially when I like, it's just everything I can do to like pray at all sometimes. Mm -hmm. And, um, because like I said, I'm not, I'm not anywhere near like the best, the best prayer life in the world. Um, and it's just a constant, it's constant work, but, and there's weeks that are better than others, but yeah, I don't, 
I don't think that we should just stick to our um, our sweet spot all the time. So um, that's a good point. Um, and I mean, and God shows up in in ways that maybe we don't always attribute to prayer or to like church things. A lot of times when I'm in the middle of doing something that I'm really passionate about that has absolutely nothing to do with quote unquote God stuff. Um, those are often moments where I feel those God moment joy and those God moment peace, even though I'm not doing anything remotely religious. Like I'm like skating around the rink and all I hear is the wind in my ear. And suddenly like, I'm like, this is, this is like the best thing. This is what I needed. Even though like, that's not necessarily a God moment. It is God showing up in that moment. And so I think it would be fun to kind of talk about maybe what are those like things that you're really into that, that bring you peace and joy that, you know, God shows up in, even if it's not overtly religious. So, uh, there's a lot of different things that I, um, have learned to recognize God in, um, I'm very much an introvert. I mean, I'm loud and obnoxious and all of those kinds of things that you would attribute to an extrovert, but I just too much people all at once for too long is, um, it's too much for me. Um, I have to recharge by myself. And so, um, a lot of by myself activities are where I find God the most, I guess. And you're like, no, of course the prayer is almost always by yourself. What are you talking about, Bob? <laughs> But no, I'm not talking about prayer. I mean, um, outside of that, um, I mean, I am an art major, um, <laughs> which is a whole interesting conversation by itself and how that relates to um, faith and the challenges that it can present. But um, being in an art program, but uh, just the act of creating can be um, a really powerful connection to um especially God, the father, um, I kind of can feel that, that little bit of gift that he's given me and that talent that he's given me, um, kind of is a really important reminder to, to me specifically that that talent is just a, a small piece of his power and his creation and all of, um, everything that he can do. And that is, um, a extremely humbling viewpoint for me to, um, and also like is super valuable to me, I guess, because the fact that he has given me this, this piece of his creative power that I can use to create and to, um, find truth about things in a new way and, um, explore the world and see the world in, um, in a different way is, uh, super interesting to me and just to be able to, to create things is, um, is something that I find God in often. And, um, once I had that kind of, um, aha moment that I was feeling the presence of God in my art making and in my design work and different things like that, um, it made, a profound impact in the way that I, um, the way that I make art 
and the way that I go about it, like, especially when I'm like in a studio by myself or doing things like that is I make it a lot more, a lot more sacred, I guess. I make it a lot more, um, intentional and, um, it became a thousand times more meaningful to me when I could, um, invite God into that, that act of creation because it, I mean, like, what's one of his primary characteristics is that of creator. So of course, like having him with me in those moments, um, it's not only inspiration to me, but also comfort. And, um, it's a good outlet for me to listen to what he's saying without like trying to sit in a quiet room and like listen, you know? Um, and so that's kind of an outlet that I've found for that kind of, for that kind of prayer. Um, other than that, I guess like, of course the simple things that like a lot of people see God in, um, like being in nature and things like that. Um, and just the, the walks to like when it's pretty outside and things like that, of course, like it's always nice to, um, find God's in those, find God in those moments. But, um, I would say, especially with like my, um, creative life that's that's probably where I see God show up outside of like you know your typical church stuff yeah um so you've talked about kind of your story and you've uh we went on a tangent about praise and worship and you kind of talked about ways that you've uh, connected to God kind of outside of kind of the expected. Um, I guess we can kind of end on a little bit of a, of a lighter note. What are some of the, the things that like you're passionate about that maybe people wouldn't expect from you, or maybe, um, you don't, that people wouldn't necessarily attribute to someone who is like active in, in their Catholic community. Well, um, that's a challenging question for me because, um, a lot of times I feel like outside of my schoolwork and, um, CCM stuff, like that's like, can feel like some weeks, like all I've been doing, but, um, uh, I don't know. I am really stupid, goofy all the time doing all sorts of nonsensical things. I live alone. And so... <laughs> Um, and I talk to myself unashamedly, um, and I play a lot of video games and I don't know, I cook a lot of food and I read a lot. I don't know. That's a hard question for me. Um, is there a particular like, like genre of games or game or a particular like series you're really into or a particular band you're super into mm. well I'm I'm so not genre specific on anything that like I engage with <laughs> like whether it be video games or music or um anything like that or books or things like I do not like mystery books I will not read them if I have to read them I will read the last chapter first why so well, that way is a pro tip. So you can pick up on everything that's going on, the entire book, and then you don't ever have to read it again because mystery is boring. <laughs> so, 
so that is a hot take that that's most, a hot take and most people <laughs> disagree with it and call me bad for for saying that um including my girlfriend she hates that point of view but <laughs> i mean if we can't end on a high note let's end on a hot take <laughs> which is part of the course of hanging out with Bob. So um, thanks, Bob, for, for coming on the podcast. I'm sure we'll have you on in the future. Um, of course. Any sort of last thoughts or comments or witty Bobisms you want to leave on? Um, if you were born in a barn like me, um, <laughs> it, it gets better. And with that, episode two is done. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>